In week one's message in this sermon series called Wisdom and Love, we were talking about love and discipline. And uh, I began the sermon by asking one question. What is wisdom worth to you? If you could place a value upon wisdom in your life, would it be a high value? Would it be a low value? Or would it be somewhere in between? In last week's message, our second week of this sermon series, where we were talking about a friend's love, I asked another important question related to wisdom. I asked, are you sold on pursuing wisdom? Is that something you're really committed to? Are you devoted to it? And if you are, do you know where to find it? And that's when I shared last week from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's the starting point. Revering God on this journey of wisdom is where we begin. Also last week, I shared an amazing promise that's found in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So we pursue wisdom by fearing God first and then by seeking wisdom from God, by asking God for it. And I'm asking you today, do you do that? Is that a regular part of your life? Do you pursue God's wisdom? Do you regularly ask God for it? You know, it, is, is it something important to you or is it something that's not that important to you? Which would you say? Do you pursue it? Do you ask God, help me to, to make a, you know, a, a wise decision here? God, give me insight in this situation. God, show me the way. Well, this week I am going to ask another question, and I've already alluded to it a little bit regarding wisdom. But I want you to, to ask you this question. Do you know how important wisdom is to God? Do you know how important it is? Would you say, well, yeah, I think, I think it's pretty important to God. Or, well, yeah, it's probably somewhat important to God or fairly important to God. Or, well, I'm not really sure how important wisdom is to God. Well, let's take a moment and let the Bible speak for itself regarding this subject. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at verses 22 through verse 36. And the first section here is going to be verses 22 to 26. And... This is going to tell us that wisdom existed before anything else. We know, including space and time in this world, wisdom existed before that. Listen to what it says. The Lord brought me forth at the, as the first of his works before his deeds of old. This is the first thing God did was brought this forth. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be, when there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world, hear that? Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, before anything that we know of here existed, God created wisdom. That sounds pretty important to God, wouldn't you say it? If that was the first thing God did was create this wisdom. 
All right. Then the second thing we see is in verses 27 to 31, we find that wisdom was present when the orders of creation were set in place. Wisdom now moves from coming forth before the world to being present in the creation of the heavens and the earth. From being present when there was nothing to being present when the material world came into existence. Verse 27, I was there when he set the heavens in place. The heavens, that's the word shemayim in Hebrew. It also means the clouds in the sky. But I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. Does wisdom sound pretty important? That it was right at God's side when all of creation was being spoken into existence, being created? Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Rejoicing in God's presence. Delighting in this mankind and in this creation of this world. Now we come to verses 32 to 36. And wisdom is now the one that we are told we have to listen to. Wisdom is personified here as our teacher our counselor, the one who will come alongside us in life and guide us, direct us in life. Verse 32 says, now then, my children, listen to me. And this is similar to what's already been said in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 5, verse 7, it says, now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn away from what I say. Chapter 7, verse 24, now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Let's hear what verses 32 to 36 have to say. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. The blessed ones in life are the ones who pursue wisdom. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway, longing to acquire this wisdom that I have to offer. For those who find me, here's the important point, find life. If you really want to live the life God intends for us, we pursue his wisdom, we find the life God intends for us to have, and we receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Those who understand wisdom's importance from eternity past to the present and on into the future, these, the Bible says, are the blessed people of the world. These are the ones who truly find life. These are the ones who experience the favor of the Lord. So do you consider yourself a blessed person in this world? Have you found life? And are you living the life that you have found to the full? Would you say that the favor of the Lord is upon you? And can you point to some clear ways that God's favor is evident in your life? Well, with all those questions now raised, let me say, wisdom is not the object of our worship. 
Nor does wisdom even, it's not even an example of worship. Wisdom is a leader of worship who teaches us to offer worship and how to offer worship to God. Like Romans 12:1 states, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Well, we offer our bodies, we offer our beings to God as true and, and, and living sacrifices, but it's through the wisdom that God gives us to know how we are to live our lives that we have uh, this offering to give to God. And that's how wisdom pieces us together and leads us to worship as we should. Well, Proverbs tells us a lot about our minds. It tells us how we should think. It tells us what our attitude should be, what our perspectives in life ought to be. It even points to what our worldview should look like and what is supposed to be important in life and what really isn't that important in life. Proverbs also has a lot to say about our desires in life related to pleasure, like human sexuality or food or when it comes to wealth or the consumption of alcohol or, or appropriate rest or power and control and the just treatment of others. This book also shares a lot of wisdom regarding marriage, family life, the rearing of children and the process of aging and the, those grandparenting and senior years of life. In addition, Proverbs also has a lot to say about our interactions with others in business situations and transactions, when our emotions are raw and our nerves are fried, when we are angry about something or we're tired or we feel so overworked or, or we're just wallowing around in our own self-pity. Proverbs addresses all of those things. And many times the Proverbs to communicate such messages will use colorful language, painting graphic word pictures for us that make it easy for us to grasp. For instance, as charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so a quarrelsome person is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. Proverbs 26, 21. One can just picture how natural it is for the contentious person who loves nothing more than to pick fights with people to inflame their emotions. It's like throwing a chunk of wood on the fire. It just blows things up because they just go around picking fights, and they just go around, stirring up trouble, and they run. Sometimes we refer to people like that as, as spiritual arsonists. They start something, and then they run. Uh, you can just picture that. Uh, here's another. Like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked man ruling over helpless people. None of us want to experience a roaring lion or a charging bear when we're out there in the wild. But it's pretty clear you know, when you read this verse, that God doesn't think too much of rulers and people in positions of power over others who take advantage of the weak or who take advantage of the less fortunate. Other Proverbs are simply straightforward and almost kind of vanilla, kind of plain at first sight, so much so that we can almost overlook them, like Proverbs 23, verse 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have wisdom to show restraint. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Yet how many people have totally destroyed their lives by ignoring the instruction of this simple verse? They've ruined their lives. They've many times ruined their families. They've ruined friendships, lifelong friendships they've ruined over their pursuit of wealth. And sometimes they've even ruined their places of employment. Proverbs also amazingly uses humor 
to get their point across. Like Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor in the morning, it will be taken as a what? A curse. Now, for those non-morning people out there who are stumbling around in the morning, trying to get the cobwebs out, and uh, find their bearings and, and get the fog to lift until you've had that first cup of joe or two. And then you encounter Mr. or Mrs. Early Morning Riser with all their cheery demeanor and their great big smile on their face. And they want to tell you how what, such a wonderful, bright, cheery day it is. And what are you feeling inside? Like, I want to smack them, you know? Like, really? Come on, man, give me a... Give me a couple minutes here, would you? Or you, know, or you might even say, please, just, just uh, you know, put a lid on it. Something like that. See, Proverbs knows us, doesn't it? It knows us inside and out. And I must say as well that for all of Proverbs' beauty, all of the rhythm and all the poetic Hebrew and elegance that's in this book, it doesn't mince words when it wants to get its point across. Proverbs 6, 27 through 29 says, Can a man scoop fire in his lap? without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. A lot of relationships in life get destroyed through adultery. More than just the two participants that are involved, there's so many other people who are impacted. So don't mess with it or you're going to get burned. Pretty clear there. Here's another, Proverbs eleven twenty two, Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Now, pigs don't have sweat glands like we do. They can't sweat. To cool down their core temperature, uh, we can sweat. We can perspire. And that helps cool down. You know, the, the furnace gets too hot on the inside. It's got to go somewhere. Okay? We can cool down by sweating. Pigs can't. So they got to roll around in the mud to cool off. And then when they eat, they stick their whole snout right into their slop. If you ever fed pigs before, slop the hogs, that's what they do. They stick their whole snoot right in it. And then they go around rooting up the ground. And oh, you can't even walk on ground where pigs have been because they root everything up and they're looking for grubs and worms and, you know, insects and, and roots and all kinds of things that they eat. Plus they're strengthening their neck. Who would ever take a gold ring, like this one that my wife gave to me on our wedding day, who would take something that's valuable like that and stick it in a pig's snout, okay? Who would do that? So a woman who is drop-dead gorgeous, who's beautiful, who lacks good judgment in her behavior and her speech, Proverbs says that's a bad combination. Beauty and indiscretion do not make a good pair. Proverbs 25, 17 is another straightforward example of this. Seldom step foot in your neighbor's home. Too much of you and they will hate you. This is telling us straight out that it's not a great thing to overstay our welcome, right? We want to be neighbors. It's good to be neighbors. It's good to stop by. But if they got to shoo us out so they can go to bed, or if they got to shoo us out so they can get their chores done or other things like that, you were probably overstaying our welcome. It's not a good thing. They will start to despise us after a while. You know, sometimes the Proverbs address wisdom in completely unexpected ways. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. The righteous care for the needs of their animals, 
but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. Who would have ever thought that God's word, the Bible, would address how we care for animals, revealing the truth about a person's character? Now, I have to tell you as a pastor, for nearly four decades now, I have had a front row seat of people experiencing the truth of this proverb. And there's been a number of cases where young women have thrown themselves headlong into a relationship with a young man, and along the way, they have discovered him being cruel to his animals, cruel to his pets, but they stayed in the relationship. And guess what happened? Only to find out later on that this person turned on them and were very mean to them. I have to tell you, folks, that the book of Proverbs tells it like it is. 3,000 years ago, people who were cruel to, their, cruel to their animals displayed poor character. And the same is true today. It tells us, stay away from people like that, or you're going to end up on the receiving end of their cruelty as well. Proverbs do offer us tremendous hope, though, along the way. Even in times of severe trial. Proverbs 14, verse 32 says, When calamity comes, the wicked are brought down. But even in death, the righteous seek refuge in God. I shared that part of that verse at a memorial service yesterday. Even in death, the righteous seek refuge in God. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. We have hope. And Proverbs points that out. Well, with all of these insights in hand now, we now return to our text for today about wisdom helping us to love life. And it says here in 19 verse 8, the one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. And literally in the Hebrew language, it's saying this, the one who acquires heart loves his soul. The one who rejoices in understanding finds a good thing. Heart is the right kind of heart, a discerning, a wise, a compassionate, a good, a faithful heart. Love his soul means that he loves his life. This person really loves the life that they, they live. And they also cherish understanding so much so that they're constantly on the lookout for wisdom, for insights from God, looking to learn new things from God. You know, this proverb has marked my life for decades now. It's actually given me a goal to uh, seek and, and, uh, and pursue every single day. It's given me a philosophy of life where I desire to learn something new every single day. It also guides me to be willing to learn from anyone. People in white-collar professions and people in blue-collar ones, people with less education than I have and people with way more education than I have. Uh, I'm, I learn in fields of interest as well as things that I'm completely ignorant in. I learn from men and women, from people of all different ethnicities, people of all ages and stations in life, even children and nature. I try to live by this philosophy every day to learn something new. And many times when I do that, I'll say, I didn't know that. I'll tell someone that says, I didn't understand that before. I'll reiterate and emphasize that to try to make it stick in my mind. And many times at the end of the day, I'll reflect back over the day and say, 
what did I learn today? And many times, there's multiple things that I learned in a day that I never knew before. To love the life God has given to you is to cherish understanding. And all things being equal, this proverb says here, if you do that, you will prosper. Part of that is, is people love it when we seek to understand them or understand uh, what they know. And it, and it helps us. It advances our worlds. You will prosper. You will have found a good thing. That word good here in the Hebrew is the word tov. You will found, have found tov. You will have found a good thing. Figuratively, you'll have struck it rich because your life is now going to be enriched. Your life is going to be meaningful. Your life is going to be so fulfilling. And let's take a couple moments this morning to plumb the depths of what this original language is saying here a little further. We are very familiar with the expression in our culture of people putting their heart into something. The athlete gave it everything they had. They showed a lot of heart. Oh, that speech came from the heart. Or, oh, that was a heartfelt expression of love from that child to their parents or from that student to the teacher. Well, this text, when it says acquires a heart, it's addressing here the right kind of heart. I mentioned what the right kind of heart is, but you have to understand it in its biblical perspective and Old Testament context. Because Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, if we're left to ourselves, if we're left to our own human natures, if we're left to our own human hearts, we are always going to select the path of least resistance in life. We will always select what is in our best interest, what will advance us or advance our causes, or what will help us look better before others. That is the natural human heart. Now add into that, along with this, is the cry of our culture that you need more self-love. You need more self-esteem. You need more self-worth. Every child is a winner. Uh, no one loses. Everyone is equal and everyone is good and everyone is exalted as good. Which, by the way, is why the Word of God tells us that in the last times in this world, that's going to be one of the symptoms the major symptoms to know that we're living in the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through the beginning of verse 2 says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. First symptom on the board. First thing to diagnose we're in the last times is people will be lovers of of themselves. And humanity's real problem has to do with sin, with rebellion against God. And that rebellion comes from the human heart. Remember, who can understand it? It's deceitful and it's beyond cure. So our problem is in human heart. It's rebellion against God. And this is why every single human being needs heart surgery. We all need heart surgery, not just some of us, every single one of us. We need a new lease on life so that we can truly appreciate the life God has for us. And that change of heart I'm speaking of is through faith in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. 
the new is here. We need that new birth. We need to be born again, born over, born spiritually. We need this new creation that God wants to do us in us. And God takes our heart of stone and he gives us a new heart with a desire for God and a desire for his wisdom. And the prophet Ezekiel prophesied about this many times in the Old Testament. He said, I will give you a new heart and put in you a new spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone. And I'll give you a new heart. You know, once we are saved, our hearts and our minds then to need to be continually be renewed by God's spirit through God's word. Because living in this fallen world means that we're going to continue to face temptations from our enemies. And who are our enemies in life? Well, one of them is our own flesh, our own human desires, the old human nature that keeps crying to us from the past to do this and to do that. And then it's the world around us with all of its systems that are arrayed against God. And then, of course, the evil one. The devil, who is a thief who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is why we need to continually pursue God and God's wisdom. Because the world we live in, our own flesh, and the evil one are going to continually say to us one constant message. I am first. I am first. I am first. And it's going to want us to always put ourselves first above everything else. And God's word is going to say, you are third. You are third. God's first. Others are second. And you are third. You know, when we begin to understand God's wisdom and God's ways, we embrace them. And that's when we truly begin to live. Do you have this new heart that the Bible speaks of? And are you embracing what God has done for you in Christ Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? No longer having a heart of stone, but having a new heart, a heart that beats for the things of God, that's passionate about the things of God. Have you acquired the heart that Proverbs is speaking of here in chapter 19, verse 8? If you have, then you will actually be loving life and cherishing understanding. And wow! you will have found a good thing. You will have a good sense in life, in all aspects of life, physically, spiritually, morally, emotionally, socially, psychologically, intellectually, all aspects of life. And God says, this is the way I have designed you to live, to gain wisdom and understanding. The one who gets wisdom loves life. Who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. Let's pray. God, our Father, today as we have uh, journeyed again into your wisdom literature, we've done it on a, a weekend where our nation remembers fallen soldiers, those who have paid the ultimate price those who have not taken the path of least resistance, but have taken the path of most resistance for the good of others. And Lord, this is a reminder to us of how precious life is. And God, you have shown us today in Proverbs that you have a life that you've intended for each of us to live. And we should cherish that life. It should be special to us. It's a life of wisdom and understanding.
of who you are, God, and how you want us to live in this world, how you want us to treat others, and how you want us to act, and even internally what we're to think and do. God, this is a life that comes from you. You're the source, and it's a life that's to be cherished and appreciated. Oh, I pray for your church to do that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.